makes it so hurtful. If you were a good person, you'd dumb it down more. So I would look like I'm someone who reads. Why do you think I'm doing a podcast about the Big Bang Theory with you as opposed to, like, I don't know, the history of math and science? You can talk about that all you like. No, I can't. You get really mad. I know. (laughs) So this is awkward. This is also the Big Bang Theory theory. Yeah. So now that Kyle has established that I'm a dullard as if that weren't already canon, I guess we're going to talk about things. Hi, my name is Nick. And I'm Kyle. And we have a third person. Say something, third person. Hi, I'm Charlie. I'm here to make sure you two cucks figure out how to open up all these jars. Whoa! These big muscles, you that, nerds. Uh, that is 100% accurate. Uh, we we have a, a very delightful guest with us who's watched their very first episode of The Big Bang Theory today. I'm so mad at both of you. I can't. I, I could yeah. go my whole fucking life. Without, yeah, without that's, seeing that, that's a normal feel. You'll get, you'll get used to that. It wasn't even, it wasn't even a show. It was just like a series of people being terrible, and then it ended. Yeah, well, well except it ended for you. <laughs> that's yeah. we have at least a hundred more episodes. I've only got one through. stop on this train, and I'm getting the fuck off. So I guess um, Charlie is a good friend of mine visiting from Montana. Hello, I'm a little country mouse here in the big city for the first time, and. Before we started the show, uh, something so Kyle had passing familiarity with the show and seen a handful of episodes. I hadn't seen any of it; I just knew of it. What is your Big Bang Theory experience? I I am aware of it. I have never seen a full episode. When I a few years ago, when I was selling televisions at Sears, uh, one of the guys in the appliance department would always come in and turn our TVs to watch the Big Bang Theory whenever it was on. To keep people out of the section so you wouldn't have to sell them televisions? Well, it worked on me because I just took my lunch then. It's like, yeah, you, you're in charge of this till I get back. And I have just a very small memory of like coming back and watching a few minutes and saying, this is stupid and these guys are awful nerds. And this guy got mad at me. It's like, no, you don't understand. They're real. Like he, he was so mad at me that I couldn't. That I couldn't. Wait, his argument was these are real nerds. Like, that this was is his an argument. Accurate, interesting. Yeah, he's like, no, these these guys are they're they're like real nerds. They cast to play these nerds. That's why it's so realistic. And I wanted to fucking put him into one of those washing machines that he couldn't sell. I mean, I bet they are real nerds that have been cast because they're not Hollywood attractive at all. You know, like. Wallowitz has got a weak chin, so of course you know that... Yeah, they're all really short by Hollywood standards. Well, actually, I guess they're not... They, they Sheldon is a mountain of a man! Well, I mean, like, they don't... They they deliberately make them look short, I guess, which is a thing. They look like small people. You yeah, know, they're most real, people they're real on television look tall. I guess. I don't know, I'm just... I said that, and I remember that, like, apparently if you meet, like... I mean, obviously, we all know that Tom Cruise is basically, like, a... A very tiny person like but, a pixie uh, right but uh pixie apparently george job. clooney too if you meet him it's just like talking to you know like a, a, a very charismatic like 12 year old that sounds about right we probably actually talk about the show so to do a quick summary of the episode everyone's favorite part leonard and stephanie are trying to fuck and sheldon's getting in the way that's for the whole episode that's all that happens this is the least plot-heavy episode we've seen so far. So there's more plot in other episodes. Sometimes. Well, sometimes. <laughs> Jeez Louise. Yeah, no, it's... Like, a couple of the most recent ones have, I think, had too much going on. I've been fairly convoluted. This is really just... It starts with Sheldon pestering Penny and saying, Hey, I need you to not get in the way of this relationship that Leonard's having, because it's working really well for me. Well, that was interesting. It's not just it's working really well for me. It's I, I mean, it's it's more confirmation, because he's like, look, I know you're basically a sex criminal, 
with unrestrainable sexual urges that that wallow up in time to time. And I need you to not be that way. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That's please don't get your your horny juice all over the Leonard just because you know that he is no longer single. Um, And he's using what he's calling an urban dialect, which is... Oh, the show's very racist. The ickiest thing. I don't know. I keep saying... Like urban youth, but I I'm not sure that he was using that word correctly because there was nothing about what he was saying that I think came along with the coded term urban. I think he's just a a, a big dumb dumb. Did he not? Did he not kiss his fingers and do a peace out sign at some point? I mean, probably, but he also just said a lot of bunch of dumb shit like for the win, you know, as. Everyone did in the early 2000s when they wanted to look like they were tough and from the streets. Ugh. It was just nonsense. It was it was just a, a bunch of random slang that he kept describing as being spoken by the urban youth. I mean, I'm a white, and so I'm going to say I didn't see any racism. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But yeah, I didn't mean to interrupt you. He does. Oh, and I mean, we, should also, we should also point out, because obviously you, you know, there's a very deep internal mythology to the Big Bang Theory theory. And in this particular arc, Stephanie, it's like, that was sarcastic. Stephanie is actually a new character. She was only introduced last episode. Okay, good. Yeah. I, was, I was afraid that someone that bland who had been in the show before that would, uh, would cease to exist if we stopped looking at her. She is very bland. I and didn't think about it, but she, she's a bland murderer. It's just that everyone else is so obnoxious that someone that isn't, like, making you want to tear your own skin off is like, this is a nice addition. Um, but yeah, I guess we should talk about her a little bit, because she showed up in the last episode, because Wallace tried to fuck her, and he was real bad at it, and she's like, I'm going to get super horny for your roommate, uh, for your friend Leonard. And that's really all there is to her. She's also a surgeon. But something that they say earlier in this episode is, is Sheldon establishes her background by saying that she is a uh, uh has an excellent reputation as a surgeon at such and such hospital where uh she she was a resident in the hospital in which he was born they do nothing with that um yeah and- that was weird. i thought I, I forgot i was like oh so there's gonna be some deep like you know some shadowed backstory connection here this is like in lost but, no see no. i i guessed that uh sheldon was lying Try to find a way to connect her. Like, oh, I was born at that hospital. I bet that's exactly that's that's how I read it. I thought you should being a lying creep. So I think you were right to pick up on Sheldon being a creep because a running theme is that he's a manipulative sociopath who only expresses weaknesses when it's a trick to get people to do what he wants. Whoa! Uh, of yeah. which this is a pretty I mean, a clear episode, but uh... yeah, yeah, it is. Like ninety percent of these episodes are just about Sheldon getting people to do whatever he wants by being pathetic or annoying. Uh, also, nobody ever likes Sheldon, ever. And yeah. um, so, but I also think Stephanie should totally bone him. I think, just like, I think it's a better show if Penny has sex with Sheldon. I think Sheldon and Stephanie were the only two characters in this episode that had any sort of real connection. Like, he was weirding her out at first by asking what her favorite fruit is, which, first of all, totally acceptable conversation. All well, right. his first question was, I, I did appreciate this. It's maybe the best, the best line in the episode is his opening gambit is, have you ever witnessed a violent crime? That's, um, so yeah, it's, it's Leonard and Stephanie are trying to be on a date in the apartment and Sheldon invites himself to be there. And he's doing such a better time at making conversation, probably just because Leonard wants him to be dead. 
But I saw a lot of myself in that question. <laughs> I knew you did. I knew you would. Like, when I was doing improv training stuff, we, we had to do this game where we get to know each other by asking each other kind of like random questions. People are like, what's your favorite thing to do at Christmas? And like, hey, what's your favorite food? And I'd be like, what are you most afraid of? <laughs> and, and I wasn't allowed. I wasn't allowed to continue that line of questioning. You you were the one person at improv to say, no, no yes and there. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. stop. That's, your rule of improv is no stop. Yeah, I'm the street person who wanders in and... Uh, do you ever have fantasies where you're murdered? Do you ever just wake up in the middle of the... I could see you. It'd be... Whoa. No. <laughs> Kyle, no. Let's explore this. <laughs> have you had fantasies about being murdered? No. I mean, I've had dreams where I get stabbed, but that's... Okay. But you survive in the dreams. Yeah, and then I stab the other person. So it's, it's you know, it's no. mutual stabbing. When I have bad dreams, they're about, like, bumping into somebody with my car and not being able to deal with the stress of confronting them about what happened. <laughs> Yeah, I can see that. That's that's about uh, as intense as they get. But um, but yeah, it's. I think Sheldon is just a more interesting person, and I, I also he's when he's trying to be real nice, I think he's doing an okay job here. And Leonard just coming off as a real sourpuss the entire time. Like I don't know. It's I I think I'm just attracted to Sheldon. What is happening right now? Getting what hard. is going on? I don't. You want to talk about something else? Do you, I mean, you, uh, hey, what happened? Stephanie buried something deep inside of somebody. So this is, well, okay, so yeah, let's talk about that. So yeah, Stephanie, that. the expert surgeon. Well, I don't, I mean, Charlie, you were the one who, uh, who pointed, I, I just, it was sort of like a throwaway line I didn't even think about, but you were the one who pointed out that that person probably died. Yeah, she, she's talking, she's, we, that thing I hate in sitcoms where we cut to a new scene and we're hearing the end of a hilarious story with no context for what's actually funny about it, where, uh, she's looking down and, or at an x-ray or in a body and she sees one of her earrings had fallen off and is presumably sewed up. So what she does, this surgeon, this person who took a vow to do no harm, takes off her other earring and runs away, leaving leaving a mass infection to kill this poor person. Yeah, it's when when she admitted that she'd lost the ring inside of him, uh, Leonard's like, what'd you do next? And I thought the answer is going to be like a very dry, like, well, of course I had to open the wound back again. Um, he was coming out of anesthesia and I didn't want to, you know, go through the risks of over uh, over anesthetizing him. And so we did have to do it while he was awake this time. It was a horrendous malpractice suit. It was, you know, change hospitals so that they could keep their insurance rates low enough to, you know, afford to stay in business. Yeah, and it was, uh, it was a really valuable ring. So in addition to the malpractice suit, uh, I was also personally liable for the cost of the ring, which bankrupted me, which is why I was trying to fuck Wallowitz, because he seems to come from a healthy, uh, uh, fairly wealthy, upper-middle-class Jewish family. And then, But then I fucked you, Leonard. And so now we're both dealing with this. So do you think that that happened at the old Galveston uh, hospital? <laughs> do you think that maybe she killed one of Sheldon's family members? Sheldon's dad great. has never once been mentioned. And yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> it's like this is actually the story. <laughs> it's because he was having a lot of heart problems, died with a mysterious earring inside of him. That confirmed to Sheldon's mother that she he had been cheating on her. And uh, so he was disgraced from the family. And the last memory Sheldon have, has of his father is going to his gravesite 
to scour the the Sheldon Cooper family name off of the tombstone. That would be so great. What if this was all a long game by him to like get vengeance on? I mean, I'm realized we're entirely making this up. But that would just make everything. It's like I'm I maneuvered you into meeting Wallowitz in that bar, and I steered you towards. Oh, Leonard, and now I'm keeping you together until... Oh. Trying to ruin her relationship so she can't find true love. Yeah. <laughs> Just always keeping her a, a hair's length away from finding her, her smooch mate. No, you guys are missing the obvious connection, which is that Leonard is getting old boyed. I do think that scene was weird where Leonard just eats a squid raw. Yeah, yeah. And and Stephanie's like, I know we didn't have sushi for dinner or anything tonight, but did you know that only women can make, uh, like, can't make sushi because their hands are too warm and it ruins it? And Sheldon is like, oh, I've actually very much heard of that. And then they're getting so deep into it that Sheldon's never like, God, I, I should connect with that daughter I had when I was five or like whatever. <laughs> Maybe she just looks very old. Maybe she really is like 19 and, and Leonard... I bet at some point Leonard's parents found him a good breeding partner and that he really, he, he had to engage in the maritals um, or whatever you call it. What is, what is it when it's purely for breeding? Eugenics? Oh, I mean, if you, re- if you really want to church it up, I guess you can call it that. Can I ask you two experts a question? No. Okay. Yes. Is it called the Big Bang Theory? Because because there was is it, it's a sex thing. It's a sex joke, right? No. It's. I mean, I think it. So the well, I thought it was. So, it should be. No. So in the original, the entire first season, the only plot development that happened was that Leonard, who you have now met, sure, was trying to have sex with Penny. Which you know, so that's actually a thing. Is so that the first season was very. Leonard heavy, even though he is a complete milquetoast character just because he was the one pining over, uh, what's her bucket? Penny the entire time. And then Sheldon, you know, was the wacky side character, but I think he is so much more interesting that he has now come to the, to the yeah, forefront. He's, he's Steve Urkeling the show he's, hard. He's the he is. But you yeah. know what? Season two, episode nine, still nary a bazinga. Not a one to date. Um... But yeah, it's... Yeah, so all of these podcasts that name themselves Bazinga This or Bazinga That and saying they, you know, are the fundamental Big Bang Theory podcast can go fuck themselves. Because are... that wasn't even originally part of the show. So months later, are you calling out the Bazinga Boys now that they've already There's sent also a of... Full Metal Bazinga podcast. What? Yes, I found that on Twitter, too. They are both tweeting at us. Is that where Sheldon Cooper talks about Full Metal Alchemist? I mean, I don't know what it's about. I assume, you know, it's a show about the... It's also a podcast about the... Why they called it Full Metal Bazinga. Well, well, obviously, because it's a Full Metal Alchemist reference. But why, I don't know. I hope, well, I hope yeah. it's that. I hope it's Full Metal Alchemist and not Full Metal Jacket. Oh, oh my God. I hope these fucking nerds are just like, what's the most... We gotta anime up this up by like thirty percent. We gotta No, actually like it's just like it's like we really love Ermie's bit and like fucking Yeah. And Leonard is one hundred percent the private pile. Like <laughs> season three, there's an episode where he like wakes up strapped to his bed with bungee cords and Sheldon is hitting him with a soggy towel. And Leonard's like, what are you doing? And it's like, I'm reenacting the soap scene, but we all know that bar soap is incredibly unhygienic and the antimaterial soap just isn't holding out this time. Uh, that's a good joke. I would, I would watch the shit out of that. Well, and so that's the thing we, sh- we should talk about is um, what would have made this episode watchable? Because, what, this is like the th- 29th or 30th, epi- 30th episode or something we've watched. And I think there's been one episode that has been genuinely good, a few that have been 
been kind of good in a way that we're like, oh, shit, are our standards going down? And then a whole bunch of Drek. And I think this is definitely a Drek episode. What could have saved it? Like, there's so little plot. So, like, would there be a better plot element or joke that could have been expanded upon? So, I hate to pick up... It's, 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 frankly, it's not entirely her fault. Um, like, I, well, basically, I don't want to single out the woman character as, like, being the Well, there's problem. two of them now, well, so but, watch out. Well, I mean, the get... Because, you know, so Penny is barely... I mean, she... It's... This is another one where it's, like, it's weird how much she's in the episode, given how little she does. Yeah, so much uh, more Leonard now, too. Also, still a side character, though. Yeah, um... But you're talking about Stephanie. I'm talking about Stephanie. But as you both pointed out, she's so... It's not even that she's... Like, I identified now that you're thinking about it. It's that she never shows any negative emotions. And, like, her refusal to get annoyed by anything, or, like, to show any kind of, like, problems or need for boundary setting or anything other than I'm totally okay with everything that's happening in this episode sort of takes some of the fun out of the dynamic. Takes some of the tension out of it. She is too understanding. Like, if they didn't want to keep her on as, like, this season's whatever, uh, like, recurring plot element, I think a better arc would have been that Leonard can't stand to have Sheldon around while they're dating, as is the case, and that she is very okay with that. But then the way to which she uh, harshes on Sheldon actually starts to turn Leonard against her, and then... I mean, that's kind of tropey, though, where he's going to have to be like, oh, is it the lady or is well, it my friend? Anything, any flaw with her would have been interesting. Just give her a flaw. Maybe she doesn't have a butt. <laughs> okay, that's... Yes. I like. I would like to see maybe there's that little bit where Sheldon comes out and he tries to try to beef up Leonard by, 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 basically by being a beta to him. Yeah. I think she should have totally been into like that power exchange cuckold play. She's like, listen, Leonard, I, I want to have sex with Sheldon, but you have to watch me and you have to cry. It's yeah. the only way I can do this. That would have been... I definitely thought it was going to end with her opening that jar and that would have kind of been like funny in and of itself. I'm glad it didn't. Like, I think that would have been still totally worked, which I think we skipped over this, by the way. So to go back, it's Sheldon, um, because he has a vested interest in this relationship working out, is doing everything he can well, from his ve- wacky, skewed, misguided perspective. Say, a vested interest makes it sound like it makes any logical sense. It doesn't actually make any well, sense. Well, no, it doesn't. Like, but still, I, that's, I think, why I described it that way, because I couldn't tell you how else to describe it. That's like he, no, I'm sorry, I didn't mean <laughs> to be critical of you. I'm just saying, like the show randomly makes the decision that Sheldon likes this girlfriend. Well, he does say that she's the only person... Oh, yeah, it is random, but she's the only person he could tolerate so far. Well, because she's a brilliant surgeon that leaves earrings inside of people. Yeah, but Leslie Winkle was brilliant and he hated her. Well, yeah, it's because she called him a a, a butthead all the time or something. Oh, dumbass. Um, But yeah, so while while trying to show how, how raw and manly Leonard is, he, uh, Leonard, Sheldon gets out a jar of asparagus while, uh, while Stephanie and Leonard are on a date at the apartment. He can't get it open himself, though, and he needs Supermanly Leonard to come help him. And then Leonard can't get it open, instead bangs it against a counter until he horribly cuts himself, and then realizes he has to get stitches, and then vomits in the sink all over Sheldon's food, which Sheldon pretends to be upset by, <laughs> but yeah. they love each other's bodily fluids. Yeah, that asparagus was probably part of their, like, whole piss play dynamic, I imagine. Yeah, I bet it wasn't even properly sealed, because I bet it wasn't, like, the original pickling brine that was in there. It was pee. It was just two weeks of love juice. Oh. Yeah. Love juice. 
Yeah, what do you call two it? Weeks juice. <laughs> like, two weeks of love juice. Two weeks of love juice would also be a good name for our incest theme. Uh, I think that is way better than kissing cousins. <laughs> and it'd be like twenty four, except it's like, so, except it's just this uh, real hot tension of two weeks of a guy trying to figure out like. Nobody knows she's my cousin. Like, you come know, on. We're like, laughing, that's... but there's definitely already. A, now that I think, I, we're only thinking American sitcoms. There's definitely like a South Korean or like, or like 100%. There are animes that's just about like, oh, we're 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 tangentially related, but we're super into each other. Yeah, Sailor Moon had a couple of Sailor Scouts who were definitely kissing cousins. When I was back in my were they heavy... cousins? They were in the Japanese. I think they changed it to be best pals. In okay, the I see. Dub. I missed that. Yeah, as well, I was gonna say, I got that they were lesbians, yeah. but. Well, and they're also all, like, 14 or something in the anime, right? Like, they're not... Like, I think when they t- take a lot of that stuff to the States, they boost up the age a couple years, so we feel less pervy than Japanese or f- comfortable feeling. Yeah, I mean, the like, she's 14, her boyfriend drives his own car, so that's a, something that I always... And lives in his own apartment. Okay, now we have a problem. <laughs> I think sort of the way to, I think the solution to all of these problems is that you should just adapt Old Boy to be a sitcom. It's like Cheers, but in a sushi restaurant, there's the the, the young lady, there's the old man. Uh, well, okay, no, we have to one-to-one put the characters in this show into the characters in Old Boy now. So we've already got Leonard is the titular Old Boy. <laughs> Odai, Odai Sue. Which, which, by the way, he does look like an old boy. He does, yeah. So so Odai Sue, that's, that's going to be Leonard. Um... Stephanie is going to be his daughter. The mastermind is going to be Sheldon. Yeah. Who's the best friend that gets their throat cut up and with a broken CD? Penny. Penny, that works because she is trying to be supportive of Odaisu the whole time. It's implied that she wants to fuck him. I think, I think before that nerdy friend from childhood gets his throat cut open, he's like, this God, is... I wish he wasn't fucking his own daughter. So I'm loving this conversation. I don't want to derail it. I want to come back to it. I just want to say I'm so frustrated because this is the part, the side of Nick that I can never manage to bring out on the show. The, the side that apparently has a photographic memory for the plot of Old Boy. Seen... How has that never come up before? He's always like, I don't remember things. I don't care about things. I don't enjoy things. And I care about anymore. things for and now it's like, oh no, oh no, Old Boy, Park Chan Wooks. Titular middle entry in the violence or in the sympathy for vengeance trilogy. I know everything about that. I've seen the movie at least six or seven times. I think the last time Jesus I Jesus Christ! The last time I saw it, it was on a bad date. It was <laughs> <laughs> Was it a bad date before or was it because so he goes, Why did you make me watch that? It was I mean, it was a little bit of both. <laughs> but it's true that the first time his daughter gets kidnapped. And is tied up to the wall and is topless with a bunch of gangsters, like, threatening to either murder or rape her. She's like, this movie really doesn't treat women well. (laughs) (laughs) You're not going to like the rest of this movie. I'm sorry. This is... We are 30 minutes in. (laughs) (laughs) Next time, maybe go with The Handmaiden. No, that's... You know, we should watch. Uh, we should definitely watch the girl with the dragon tattoo. That's definitely empowering. I mean, she definitely, at least in the American version, uh, butt fucks the assaultive social worker with the dildo. I don't remember if that happens in the original or not. I think it, yes, it's in the. It's it's in every. It's it's <laughs> it's a very key scene in every media version of that story. 
It's like it's it's like the radioactive spider, honestly. It, yeah. yeah, you can't unless you see it. That's that's uh, something that is a, a feminist secret that no one wants to acknowledge. Is that oh, you boy. you gain your true power not from uh, recognizing and accepting your own individual worth. But from ruining someone's life with a dildo, <laughs> that's okay. I was and... actually I was really worried about how you were going to land that joke, but I'm okay with that. Jordan B. Peterson tickets are sold out. He's speaking, <laughs> He's speaking in Los Angeles tonight at the at the Orpheum. I saw John Mulaney there, and I'd really like to go have an opposite but equally hilarious experience. <laughs> uh, we should move on to our nerdy happy thing okay. because this is. This is just devolved into nonsense. Um, well, also, Charlie, you are you are our guest, which means you to take the pressure off. You can choose whether you want to go first or last, or I guess in the middle. You can choose the order you you want to speak in if you need time. You like put me in the middle. Okay. I think that's I think it's a pretty good place for me. Okay, Nick, you have to go now. All right, sure. Uh, so this is all stuff that everyone else has done forever, but I, I played my first Diablo game finally. Diablo's been around for like 20 years and I never bother getting into it. Wait, for real? Yeah, for real. Wowzers. You ever played Diablo 2, like even a little? I mean, a little. Like a little, little. I've never had a copy of it. I think it was like when I was in undergrad, when it was out, because I'm an old person, uh, I played it for like 10 minutes at a friend's house and I was like, yeah, I guess killing stuff is cool. And I played some Diablo 3 for like an hour at most with some friends. Uh, but yeah, I finally, it came out on the Switch, and I'm like, I really have to justify this purchase, and so I bought Diablo 3, and uh, it's been a mixed experience for me, because at first, I was like, this game really is nothing but pointlessly running around getting the best pants. It's too easy, nothing happens, I'm just running around in circles, annihilating everything. And it was especially frustrating, because like I turned up the difficulty on this version as high as it would go, and it was still too easy. Um, but then at some point, I don't know what happened. I just got in the flow of it. I got like the goodest pants <laughs> and now I feel great. Uh, and I, I've got a demon hunter. And so I can, I, I have a, I have a special piece of armor, which means instead of one wolf, I get three wolves that run around and I can put spikes in the ground that have chains. And when they touch the chains, they take 300% of my regular DPS. Um, 10 out of 10. Love the game. So, yeah, I don't know. It's good. If you haven't played it before, you should play it. If you have played it before, uh, then don't, because it's the same thing you've been playing for years. But it's new to me. So there's my happy nerdy thing. As always, very qualified, because I can enjoy nothing purely. <laughs> anyway, when you're a nerd's turn, what's something that made you happy? Well, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go a little, little off-road here. I'm going to recommend a comic book, but not just any comic book. One that I wrote. Uh, why don't you check out Strike Force Dracula? Which uh, is my, my indie comic book that I print in Montana, so it's obviously very easy to get. Here's the pitch. So it's a zine. It's basically, it's basically a zine, yes. Here's the pitch. Uh, 24 months ago, aliens invade Earth. They begin the systematic extermination of human life from this planet. And that's unacceptable, because if all the humans are dead, the vampires will starve to death. Now elite squads of the undead strike deep in alien-controlled territory, defending the Earth, defending the territory... Spend the food supply. This is Strike Force Dracula. Oh, that's pretty good. What kind of vampire? I mean, I guess Dracula. Do they have like classic? Can they like walk through walls and turn to bats and stuff? Well, I would say that I played a bunch of Vampire the Masquerade back in the early two thousands, and it just don't tell White Wolf. They're very litigious. Okay. It's basically it's 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 that basic idea. Like, Can they oh, cross bodies in moving water? Uh, no. But you don't find that out until the next issue. Right. Can they knock on people's doors on the Sabbath? 
there are no more doors. All the aliens blew them up. Cool. Well, then, Kyle, do you have a nerdy thing? Yeah, I'm also going to recommend a comic book, but this is, this is related to a larger... So start off with the bummer. I feel like we have to talk about it, even though uh, Stan Lee died. Yeah. I was, I was bummed about that, even though it's, you know, it's not like, it's not like there was a lot of unfinished work that he had. Yeah. No, because Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko did all of it for him. Oh! I, uh, so I have been reading the original Fantastic Four. Um, I was doing it before, uh, you know, that's basically what being a nerd is to me, is I just, I'm on a never-ending quest to complete all nerd knowledge, and eventually I will die having tried to read every comic book that ever existed. Um, and so I'm reading the original Fantastic Four the by Jack Kirby and Stan Lee, and um, it was... Uh, it was pretty amazing. It's amazing how well it holds up. I mean, there's, like, if you compare it to, which I, I've read some stuff by DC written in the 50s and 60s, and no offense, garbage. Kids garbage. Kind of, like, vaguely sort of fun, but not intended, like, to ever be read again. Like, obviously, like, they were like, okay, read this, and then immediately, like, send it to the wood pulper. Yeah. Um, you know. Because of the war. <laughs> Yeah, it's just, it's not, it's not, it doesn't hold up. But if you read uh, the the plot, you know, they're like these weird, you know, they're strangely, they're so much more science fiction-y and, and weird than people remember. They're a lot, they're a lot more Star Trek-y. Sort of actually the thing they're the most like probably is Doctor Who, you know, mm-hmm. right down to like, there's a lot of time travel shenanigans and, and you know, alternate universes and stuff like that. What, the main thing, frankly, that struck me is how much of, because, uh, you know, people... A lot of people love these movies, and not everybody does, but every, basically everything that people talk about when they say they like the Marvel movies really is right there, like, in the original DNA of those very first stories, which I guess I wasn't expecting. I sort mm. of thought it was an aesthetic that evolved over time. But if you read the Fantastic Four, it's like, here are four people, they have superpowers, but they don't really identify themselves as, like, you know, traditional superheroes. Everybody knows their real names and identities. They live in the middle of New York City. They're this weird cross, basically, between, like, you know, pop, like, rock stars. I mean, there's there's literally bits, like, where they go outside and they get mobbed, like, they're the Beatles. or And so they're just, like, they're like a, they're a cross between a dysfunctional family and, like, a dysfunctional rock band, basically. That's their whole dynamic. They, they work together and they respect each other, but they don't always actually like each other very much. And it's like all of that stuff, basically, the way the Avengers are written and in the movies is basically how the Fantastic Four were being written in like the early 1960s. So, uh, cool. All right. So play video games everyone else has played and read comic books everyone else has read except for the one that's newly created that is available in Montana. You should say it again, I guess. Yeah. Strike Force Dracula, Strike man. Force Do you Dracula. not listen to your own friends? Everything goes in and out. I only remember Old Boy. <laughs> <laughs> you remembered his... You remembered the names of Oh, Daisu! Different... He's the only name I remember, if that makes you feel any better.